Okay, so we we're gonna start in this. I don't know how many sessions we're gonna do to, to talk about the tabernacle of Moses. Now, you like I said, I've I've spoken to some of the furniture about some of the furniture before, but I want to go in way more detail in in this. Um, as this is uh, next to Jesus, one of the big things that you should know in the Bible is the tabernacle of Moses. Everything about it you should know, because there's so much depth and and prophetic in in this this tabernacle so for us doing the the bible school i mean you you have to think about it if you sit here why are you sitting here why do you want to know about the tabernacle because the actual tabernacle is not going to mean anything for you to know the furniture is not going to save you it's not going to make your relationship better with the lord so why, why is it that are you coming to the Bible school to, to learn about whatever topic I'm discussing? I want you to think about that for a second. Because at the end of the day, discipleship was about helping people and you starting to trust to follow the Holy Spirit so that you can grow with the Holy Spirit. This stuff is for you personally. So this stuff you're not going to apply to other people. You have to apply to your own life. The stuff we learn here. Alright, you see the difference. Discipleship, you help people. You will talk to pray for people. Now this stuff, you're still going to do that. But now when you apply these things to your life, you're going to be more mature in your discipleship when you pray for people. Because you're going to do it from a different place now because you're working here in yourself. And it's easier to work with other people with their problems it's difficult to work with your own problems and your own issues and everything we do in the Bible school has got nothing to do with other people it's for you to work through here inside because in discipleship it's easy to minister to the people and get them to step maybe out of sin and baptize them and we're busy with all these things but then we are sometimes still broken inside. Or we are at a place where we need healing or anything. And it's because we need to know what's going on here. How to, to let this be the image that people see and look at. And when they look at this, they see Christ. We're not interested in, in, in religion. In other words, man-made doctrines. I'm not interested in building a church. I'm not interested in following certain things and giving you uh, things that you must use in certain ways. We just spoke about fasting. What was the thing I said about fasting? Here's how they did it. I showed you how they did fasting in their time. Now, how do you apply that to your life? Through the help of the Holy Spirit. Not a, You don't do it in, in a legalistic way. You've been, everything we do is through the Holy Spirit, through relationship. Don't do fasting just to get this stuff out of the way or do you want to get out of the way. Then you're going to miss it. Everything's got to be done out of relationship. So everything we learn is going to be done out of relationship in your life. How you react to people, how you engage with people outside in your workplace, how you work, how you speak to people, how you act when you're at places. All those things you're going to learn here. But you have to apply what you learn here. Otherwise, you're not going to grow anyway. You can know the Bible by heart. 
you can, like you can be a Pharisee, a scribe, and you're still not going to know Jesus. You're not, you're going to live. You're not going to live the Christ life, because Paul said we preach Christ, only Christ, nothing added to it. Not Christ plus fasting, Christ plus prayer. In a pattern, it's Christ, and out of that you will do things through the through the Holy Spirit that will lead you. Okay. I'm not uh, in, in some like some of these churches give you all these things that you must do. It doesn't work that way. Relationship doesn't work that way. It's, what is the foundation of relationship? Love. And you need to learn to love. And the only way you're going to need to learn to love is to fall in love with the person. And that's why we give to the Bible school so you can meet this person, see how this person thinks, see how Jesus acts, see what he thinks about you. Because the more you know about somebody, the more you will fall in love. Because I'm telling you now, you cannot walk in sonship and grow in sonship if you don't have love. I'm going to say it again. You cannot grow in sonship if you are not walking in love. Alright? You need love to be the foundation. When you're outside praying, when when you're fasting, when you're doing what you need to do, there needs to be love. Alright, otherwise you're just making a lot of noise and nobody's going to follow you or even listen to you. Now you've seen the tabernacle, all the, there's not a lot of stuff in it actually. I mean there's not a lot. I think the main reason why there was not a lot because they had to carry that every day. Or every time they moved they had to carry all of that, pack it up and, and carry that to where they had to go next and, and unpack it again. So I think it was a, a, a massive thing to keep everything and not losing pins and material and stuff. Um, I mean, you saw the sheets that's over the, the building, all the different sheets they just had to put in place. Uh, so yeah, it was a, a huge undertaking to to carry all of this stuff. And I mean, they did it for, what, 40 years in the desert? They walked with that, packed it up and walked with it. So it's, a, it's, not, a, it's not a quick thing to do. So when, tonight I want to start just with the basics to, to get an introduction of why this, this tabernacle is there um, before we start going into the details of everything. Um, if we look at the Bible, God's plan from the beginning is the same the, from Genesis till Revelation. He had the same plan, the same thing that he wanted. He wanted to dwell with man. He wanted to be with us. So, Genesis 3 verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Do you see here? Um, Where is God? He's walking. Walking. So he's busy and he's there with them. Exodus 25 8. And let them make me a sanctuary that I might dwell among them. This sanctuary is the tabernacle. Okay? So you see, see, the year he walked amongst them, this one year he walked amongst them, and then again later he says, Build me this place because I want to dwell amongst you. Psalm 132, verse 13. For the Lord hath chosen Zion. Zion, you must know, is you. You are Zion. The city on the hill, the lamp that cannot be dimmed. He hath desired it for his habitation. Again, Psalm 132 verse 14. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. 
Where will he dwell? In Zion. Right? Which is going to be you one day. And he's, he's, he's dwelling in you at the moment anyway. Christ is in you. Revelation 21, 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Listen what this revelation is saying. He's saying the tabernacle is with men. And he will dwell with them. Okay? And they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Do you see what's going to happen in the day of the Lord? The tabernacle of God is with men. So he's not talking about the literal tabernacle, the wooden box, the whole thing. He's talking spiritually here. This thing, what it represents, what it entails, everything inside of it is going to be with man on the day of the Lord. Alright, so do you see that this is this, this pattern everywhere in the Bible where God wants to stay with man. He wants to dwell with man. This tabernacle, when it was placed in the desert, when they moved and they stopped and they had to set it up, it was right in the middle of the 12 tribes. So it, it was, when they unpacked this whole thing, the 12 tribes were around this thing, alright, in each direction. The tabernacle, the opening, was facing east. It's also very relevant. East. Go think in your Bible. Everywhere something is in the east. Where did the wise men come from? Where was the, the Garden of Eden closed? The gate of the Garden of Eden. There's so many things. You see the relevance of how this thing was placed and set up. Alright. It had an outer court, a holy place, and the most holy place. Three rooms. Like you saw in that sketch, the outer court is massive in comparison to the other two rooms. It's big. But the whole thing wasn't that big. You saw the measurements there. We're going to talk about the measurements later um, in other teaching. But there were three rooms. Also something to note, the people that came f with offerings, with lambs to be offered, could enter into the first room. Alright, so people could enter into the first room. The second room and the third room could only be entered by a priest and a high priest. The normal people were not allowed in the, the two inner rooms. Alright, so just something to note. That's why Jesus becomes our high priest. And he calls you kings and priests. But we'll get to that. This tabernacle, why it is so relevant and so important for us today, here in, in our time, we need to understand not just everything about the tabernacle, but how, it, how you can apply it to your life. If you look at the tabernacle with the furniture in it, it's actually a pattern of how to pray. It's easy. We spoke about that a couple of years back. If you follow the furniture, you will know how to pray. If you know what the furniture means to get you to the inner room. It's an easy way. It's a prayer guide. It's the perfect prayer guide. If you don't know how to pray, just use that and you will, you will step into His presence. Into the third room. The tabernacle of Moses is the whole gospel. The whole gospel is in the tabernacle. 
If somebody needs to know how does the gospel work, you can just show him the tabernacle and explain to him the gospel. Yeah, you, your, your, your blood, here's the blood that applies for your sins. Here's a leaven for your basin for your sins to be washed when you get baptized. You step into the next room. Yeah, you receive the Holy Spirit. Right, and then there's, there's still the inner chamber. But you see here, the whole of salvation, everything that happened in your Bible is in that image, is in that sketch, all right? Your growth as a believer is in that sketch of the tabernacle. The way you grow from a baby to maturity is also hidden in that image of the tabernacle of Moses. The whole tabernacle is a pattern of time and an image of Jesus Christ. He is in everything in that place. Alright? Jesus is hidden everywhere. Like I say, when we sit here, we don't talk about the little things anymore. We talk about Jesus Christ. We look for Him in the Scriptures. We seek Him in the Scriptures. I don't teach here how to do things, how to fast. Here you see Christ because it's about your relationship with Him. Jesus and Paul, if you look at them, always taught, or most 99% of the time when Jesus taught or when Paul taught, they taught through types and shadows that they used. All right, um, They used patterns. So they would use something that was in the Old Testament and make it come alive to understand what they're saying. They used something that the people knew, the Jews knew. Um, example, Paul would say, or Jesus would say, um, your forefathers drank from the rock in the desert. So immediately every Jew listening to him knew exactly what rock they were talking about. It's the one that Jesus had to hit to get water out of. So you see, he's using that natural physical thing that they all know and He's using that to explain something totally different, but it's, they understood it through that image. Right? Now Jesus is the rock. He's the one that got beaten on the cross so that blood can be released and water, like the water that came out of the rock, which brings life. We received life from Jesus being beaten at the cross. They received life from the water in the desert. All right? But Jesus, if you looked in the Bible, whenever Jesus he, he told a story, but he used natural stuff. To explain something deep. And a lot of times in the Bible, the people will ask him and say, we don't understand what you're saying. And then sometimes Jesus even says, but it's meant for those who want to seek it, go deeper. He actually says it once or twice. That's why he doesn't explain it every time. And sometimes he goes, okay, and then he explains what he actually just said to give you an idea how he thinks and how the spiritual work. So he would sometimes say, this is this. And, and then they would ask him, we well, don't understand. Then he goes and he explains in detail, okay, go look at some of the prophecies and stuff. In the Bible, we see prophecies. What did they use in prophecies? Think of prophecies in the Old Testament. Cows, um, goats, harvest, um, corn, and wheat, and was in the, in the images, in the imagery that they used for prophecies. But that was never about the, those natural things. There was something spiritual in it when the dreams were, were opened up. But today, we do everything in the physical and the natural. We don't go to the spiritual side anymore because we're not taught to do that anymore. But the whole Bible, the Old Testament, they only opened up visions and stuff through the spiritual side. 
Jesus spoke the Torah out of the images. Paul's that knew the Torah by heart only spoke out of images. He would say, your forefathers went through the Red Sea and there they got baptized. Alright, he used the Red Sea, the natural, to explain to them something spiritual. So what are we going to do? We're going to use the tabernacle to see what is in the tabernacle if we look at it spiritually that is relevant for us here today to use. Because it's no use knowing the history about the tabernacle only. It's beautiful and all that, but you need to be able to apply the tabernacle to today so that your relationship with Jesus can become more intimate. That's the essence of it. That's why Jesus is in it, because you need to fall in love with Jesus. And you need to apply the tabernacle to yourself, your own life, in everything you do outside. So I said here, the tabernacle of Moses is a revelation of Christ the body. The tabernacle of Moses is a revelation of Christ the body. Remember why we look for Jesus? Because he must always be the focus. Christ is the focus. That's why religion is struggling these days. Because Christ is not the focus anymore. Prosperity is the focus and all those things. You know what I'm talking about. That became the focus. It's not Christ anymore. A lot of teachings you would hear today, you would hardly hear the word Jesus or Christ in the teachings anymore. You would only hear about people and, and man himself. They're taking Christ out of most of the stuff in some of the denominations. So the word tabernacle. The word tabernacle in Hebrew means mishak, mishkan. Mishkan means residence, dwelling place, shepherd's hut. If you want more names, we just read one, sanctuary. The previous verse that we read, it said it's a sanctuary, it's a tent, it's a house, it's a building, it's a mansion. These are words that you will find in your Bible sometimes that they use to make reference of the tabernacle of Moses. Do you notice that most of these words that I just mentioned in the New Testament, are you called that? In the New Testament, you are called a tent, a temple, a building. You see, all of a sudden in the Old Testament, these were the names for this place. And the New Testament, you get named the same thing. That must mean something. The three rooms, we spoke about this before. The three rooms in the tabernacle speaks about the three reformations that has happened on the earth. First one, Martin Luther. In the 1500s, first reformation, it speaks about the first room. The first room says... Martin Luther said, oh, I found out through the Spirit, you are saved by faith. And the Reformation started, the first one on the earth. And out of that came a huge church denomination. The first room of the tabernacle, the altar, is for, by faith you enter, the word says. And you repent of your sins that you find in the first room. That's what Martin Luther got the revelation of. Martin Luther didn't get the revelation of the second room. He only got the revelation of the first room in the tabernacle. Remember those three rooms? The first one at the altar where the lambs were slaughtered. You saw in the images there now. That's the reformation Martin Luther got. You are saved by faith, not by works. Alright, the second one, the second room in the, in the tabernacle of Moses happened in the last hundred years on this earth. All the revivals that came out. The last hundred years are well recorded with revivals happening everywhere. I didn't say it on last Sunday, but do you guys know 
if you really could dig into the revivals that happened, it was normally people that started praying. Do you know that a lot of the revivals actually started by fasting and praying? Some of the guys did stuff in fasting, amazing stuff in fasting. It's funny, they didn't record that stuff in general stuff. But a lot of the revivals came from fasting. Just a side note, fasting and praying, not just praying. The people fasted to get this stuff. And then the Lord answered, like we saw in the Bible, He answered. So the last hundred years, the Lord's still talking, He's still alive. He answered them when they were fasting and praying, and revivals broke out all over the world. Toronto, uh, Wales, Ireland, South Africa, everywhere there was revivals breaking out. So the last hundred years was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the earth again. It was quiet for nearly 2,000 years. You didn't hear anything. Anything to do with anything spiritual was burned to the stake as a witchcraft or anything in the Dark Ages, in the Middle Ages. But the last hundred years, all of a sudden, revival started happening. Do you see there was a pattern happening? It wasn't by accident that people got hungry for more. The Lord gave them that hunger so that these things will manifest on the earth. And we saw all these massive outbreakings of the Holy Spirit. The last hundred years, tongues came back to the earth. Speaking in tongues. It was gone for thousands of years. It came back. Laying of hands. People trusting the Holy Spirit for healing. Came back. It disappeared for years. It came back through the revivals. Baptism. As a believer. Came back. In a massive way. Everything spiritual came back that was died over the dark years, the dark ages. It's not called dark ages for no reason. It's called dark ages because there was a lot of dark stuff happening. There was not a lot of light happening in those times. But God sorted out that there must be a time that He's going to rekindle that stuff because it, we need it for what's to come. All right. Remember, first one, Martin Luther, saved by faith, first room of the tabernacle. Second one, the last hundred years, all the revivals. What furnitures in the second room? The menorah candle and the, the bread. The table with the, with the bread. What is that an image and a type of? We've taught that to you guys. Holy Spirit, the menorah, the way it burned. The priest in the morning went to fill that thing. And in the evening they filled it. That thing had to burn 24-7. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit. And I taught you the deeper stuff. I said to you, what is bread an image also of? Jesus and the word. So the light of the candle had to shine on the bread. The light, the Holy Spirit, must shine on your Bible. The word that you read, so that you can understand it. It's a prophetic thing that in that room. Remember that? The light shines on the bread in the second room. The light, Holy Spirit, the bread, the word, the Bible. If the light shines on the bread on your Bible, you will see stuff in the Bible that you've never seen before. Otherwise, you would just read it out of your carnal mind. And it's still beautiful, but it's not going to be deeper and you can't apply it. If you read the Bible, if you read the tabernacle of Moses without the light, you're just going to read the historical thing, why it was built and the way it was built. And it's still beautiful. But if you shine the light of the Holy Spirit on the scriptures... It will become alive all of a sudden in the scriptures. And you will see stuff that's hidden there that man cannot find. Only through the spirit. Alright. The third one, the third reformation, still has to happen. 
All right, that's the one we're waiting for. The third reformation hasn't happened on the earth yet. So why did the first two happen? The last from the 1500s, Martin Luther, the last 100 years, the, the outpouring of the Spirit. Why did they happen? Because God's getting everything in place for the third one to take place. But it can't take, the third one can't happen if the other two are not in place. And where must they be in place? In you. And you must see that it's in place in other people to walk in that. It's your responsibility to have that in you so that you can live that out to the people outside. Because the third one is still to come. The three rooms is talking about the three festivals of the Jews. We're going to talk about that. There's three main festivals. We're talking about that. The three rooms represent that. The third one is the Feast of Tabernacles. If you look at the Feast of Tabernacles, I will still do a thing on that, on the Feast of Tabernacles one day. The way they did it, it's very prophetic of the day of the Lord, what's going to happen on the day of the Lord. Alright? What is happening there. But the emphasis I want to make, these three rooms is everywhere in your Bible. The pattern of the three rooms. From Genesis to Revelation, these three rooms are playing a role in everything you read. And if you don't know it, you're not going to understand your Bible. And you're going to make up your own things like the churches have done over the years. Because they don't understand, they don't see the pattern that's in the Bible. Remember what I said last year, those that went to the phase 2 camp, I said to them, the stuff we teach here cannot be taught, it must be caught. You remember that? I can't make you understand this stuff, to understand the scripture. I cannot teach you that. You must catch it through the Spirit. You must have a hunger in you. So, the, so that the Holy Spirit will open up these things for you to understand it fully in your heart not in your mind you don't want this stuff in your mind then you're going to forget it if it's in your heart you will not forget it so remember I cannot teach you this if you're going to try to understand this all the time through your brain you're going to struggle it comes through the Spirit so you must be open spiritually to understand this stuff the three rooms it stands for what? faith, hope, love remember that? That's why it's in that order in your Bible, because it's a picture of the three rooms of the tabernacle. The first room with the, with the, with the altar, where the, the lambs were slaughtered, it's, you come in there, when you meet Jesus, by faith. He, he was the one that was sacrificed for you, the lamb. The first room of the tabernacle where they sacrificed the lamb. The second room is the hope room. The hope room. What did Paul say? Christ in you the hope of glory the second room and then the third room is the love room that's where the holies of holies is all right or the most holy whatever you want to call it all right you must know those three things so every time in the bible they mention three things you can take it to the tabernacle of moses and you will see it follows in the pattern all right faith Hope, love. So on what dimension and what room are we living today? Remember I said it talks about the time we are in. That, that image. We are in the what room? If we look in time. In the second room. The home, hope room. We are functioning in the hope room. If you are saved, you entered the first room. When you got filled with the Holy Spirit and you got baptized, you stepped into the second room. But I want you to know this is still a third room and we are not fully there yet. We're fully in the second room. We're standing there at the, where the veil was. 
to enter the third room. And every now and again, the Lord is so gracious and He will take you into the third room and give you a glimpse so that you can get hungry for more. That's why He takes you in there. Every now and the Lord might come to you and give you a dream, a vision. What does He do? He takes you into the third room to show you what's to come. He's only giving you a little foretaste of what's to come. And I mean, some of you have had experiences that you know if that little thing that you've seen or happened with you, the little glimpse you had of that third room, that love room, what's going to happen then when the Lord comes back? It's going to be amazing. But He sometimes comes and He's so generous and gracious, He gives you a little glimpse of what's in there. And you walk in that for a, for a moment and your mind's blown. Just because of that little encounter that He actually took you through into the third room. But we're still in the second room. What did I teach you? The first room is the baby room. It's where the babies are, Christian babies. Just born. They are ju just got born again, the babies. Then you grow, grow, grow through the whole process until you get to the third room. The third room is the Haos, the mature Son of God. And we will one day stand in His image and in His likeness. But that will be on the third day. Remember, we are also living in the third day, if we look in the timeline, or the seventh day. The three rooms stands for Jesus. The first room is Jesus. The second room is Christ. And the third room is Lord. First room, Jesus, the God that walked the earth, the human that walked the earth, that died. 100% man. 100% God, but he walked in his fullness of man. When he bumped his toe, it bled. When he walked in his sandals, his feet got dirty. He was a normal human being. When they hit the nail through his hand, it would have, it felt the same way as it would feel for you. First room, Jesus, the one that died for your sins. First room for the sin, the altar. Second one, Christ. Why is the second one Christ? What did Paul say? Christ in you. Is the hope. The hope is this faith, hope, the second one. Christ. Because Jesus became the Christ. Paul said it. Peter said it. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The second one. And then, after what everything Jesus did, He became Lord. Ruler of everything on the earth. Your Bible says everything that was made was made because of Him. Everything, not just some stuff, everything. Haggai 2 verse 9. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in the place will I give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Now, listen what it's saying. The glory of the latter. Afrikaans, the Oyena. Eh? Latter, Oyena. So now in Afrikaans, if you... Quickly, you think it's latter is the one now, but it's the old one. So it's saying here, the glory of the old house. What is the house? We just said the tabernacle is called a house. You are called a house. So it's saying the glory of the old house shall be greater than of the former. In other words, the one that's to come. Now I'm going to explain it to you in a practical way. Acts 2. In Acts 2, in the upper room. The glory hit. Alright. And this thing is saying. That what happened there. Was good. 
But what's to come is going to be way more. Because that's the old one. The latter one. And you're going to go through that pattern throughout your whole Bible. That the new one will be greater than the previous one. Will be bigger, will be stronger, more powerful, more glorious than the previous one. Alright? Let's go here. I want to give you some examples. I said God wants to dwell with us. Let's look at this. God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden in the cool of the day. I want you to show you God's character. His plan all along. There in Genesis 3 verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord and God among his trees of the garden. So, emphasis. God walked with Adam and Eve. Right, so right in the beginning... What was his passion? In the cool of the day, he went and walked with them. He liked doing that. See, he also didn't go when it was very hot. It's not a very good idea. He waited till it cooled off. Eh? God did that way in the beginning. He showed us some, some wisdom there. Then it says, God walked with Noah. There's the verse, Genesis 6 verse 9. These are the generation of Noah. Noah was just man and perfect in his generation. And Noah walked with God. Alright, Abraham, if we look in Genesis 17 verse 2, And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and I will multiply thee exceedingly. And the Lord appeared unto him in the, see there, appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. That thing actually, there's, they actually sat face to face, your Bible says, Moses. Yeah, in the heat again here with Abram also. Moses did the same. Abram did the same. They sat face to face with the Lord. I mean, think about it. I want you to see the character of, of the Lord. How he, every time he went to visit man, he wants to be with us. Isaac, Genesis 26, 24. And the Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham the fa uh, thy father fear not for I am with thee and I will bless thee and multiply thee seed for my servant Abraham's sake you see he appeared there he appeared to him he was visiting him Jacob Genesis 35 1 and God said unto Jacob arise go up to Bethel and dwell there and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Israel thy brother see again appeared to him God stayed in the tabernacle of Moses. You see, we're going through time here. Every time where the Lord appeared through the Bible. Exodus 40:33, And he reared up the court round about the tabernacle and the altar and set up the hanging of the court gate. So Moses finished the work. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Remember, we just read the previous one's glory will be less, the next one will be more, the glory. Do you see the glory moved everywhere also here? God stayed in the tabernacle of David. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and, sit, and set it in the place, in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. David's tabernacle was open. Open air. Yeah, the open air, what do you call it, revival meeting there. Everybody could take part in it. Why do you think the Bible says the, 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 the hut or the tent of 
David, the tabernacle of David will be repaired again one day when the Lord returns. What does that mean? It's going to be visible for all of us where the glory is going to be with us and with what we're going to do and everything. It's going to be for everybody, not just the elect priest. Everybody could take place and could see the tabernacle where David had it. David could sit on his stoop and look at it while they were praising and worshipping it. Remember what I said back then? When they brought it in the first time, they brought it in with praise and worship. A religious way of doing it, eh? They didn't ask the Lord how they must bring it in. They brought it in with the oxen and they sang and worshipped in front of them and then they died. Some, uh, the, the guys died when it fell. Then David went back to the Lord asked, how must I bring it in? And he said, on the shoulders of the priests. And then they didn't bring it in by praise and worship. They praised and worshipped non-stop at the place because the glory was there. But you see, today in religion, we want to do, use praise and worship to bring God's presence in like they did there. You don't use praise and worship to bring God's presence just in. You will praise and worship if God's presence is there. It's different. But today in the churches, the charismatic churches, want to use praise and worship to get the Lord's presence there. Do you know why they had to do that? I'm going to go off the wrong way if I go in this now. Because some of the people are too lazy to be with the Lord during the week. So now the music must bring the Lord to the church. But the Lord's actually supposed that His presence should be in you. You should have it there. But most of the people are too lazy, so now the praise and worship singers must try and bring something in for them. They don't spend time with the Lord during the week. It should be in you, not get filtered through the praise and worship music. People must praise and worship because the presence are there. Not to bring it in, it must be there. See the difference? God was in the temple of Solomon. 1 Kings 8. Verse 10, And it came to pass, when the priests were come out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. You see, those priests couldn't stand because of the presence. Then spoke Solomon, the Lord said that he would dwell in the thick darkness. Today, if you say to people, Lord, the Lord walks in darkness, they say you're from hell, and you walk, you're talking about the devil. Because they've got no revelation of what's going on in their Bible. I've seen that more than once. If you, if you just say something about darkness, people just say devil, 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 devil. Black has got nothing to do with devil. Yes, he uses it, but it's not his. But he was given that because of us. But yeah, that's a different topic. I have surely built thee a house to dwell in, a settled place for thee to abide in forever. God was in the post Ecclesic Temple of Zerubbabel, those of you are not going to know this. I'm not going to go into detail about this now, but there is a verse. Ezra 6 verse 15. And this house was finished on the third day of the month, Adar, which was in the sixth year of the region of Darius the king. Just there the temple and the, the tabernacle was there again and God was dwelling there again. Do you see there's a pattern here? How God moved from house to house throughout the Old Testament from Genesis he kept on moving from one house to the next house. There's a pattern continuing. This pattern continues into the New Testament. I mean, God was Jesus Christ who dwelt on the earth. You hear what I'm saying? After those buildings, God that stayed in all those places I just read, where did He come and stay? In Jesus Christ next, on the earth. See, He's still continuing the pattern. The pattern didn't stop. 
Now he's coming in, in, in the body of Jesus Christ, who dwelt, who tabernacled among us. The word tabernacle, dwell. He tabernacled, he dwelled among us, Jesus. I said here, because Jesus is the pattern son. And he's looking for the house of the Father. He's the pattern son. I said, God is the church, the body of Christ, the new temple. God is the completed and glorified house of the Lord. God is the completed and glorified house of the Lord. It says that in Ezekiel 40, verse 48, if you want to go read it, or Revelations 21 and 22. There's a whole cycle if you read all those verses. I've got them here to bring to completion if you read. So, started in Genesis, you start living in all these places, and then it says at the end, he's going to go back to Eden in Revelations. This whole pattern that he, where he moves in and walks in the whole time. So if you want to read it, it's in Joel 2 verse 3. It says it there as well. Ezekiel 40 verse 48, Revelations 21 and 22, and then in Joel 2 verse 3. He will say he's going to return to paradise. But then it's not going to be Eden, the physical place. Please, you need to know the spiritual place that he's going to. Because where is he staying at the moment? Now we in the year 2022, I just read you this whole pattern from Genesis everywhere he moved. The pattern, he moved. He moved. He moved into Jesus. The God moved into Jesus when he said his lesson. Where is he now? Where is the house that he's staying in now? It's not the tabernacle of Moses. It's not the, the one of David. It's not the one of Solomon anymore. Where is he staying now? Where is the temple now? Yes, you and me. He's in us now. He's tabernacling in you. Abiding in you now. Do you see his plan from Genesis? He moved and moved and moved. Man, it sounds like us moving from house to house every time. <laughs> we have to move. He moved, moved to come to the ultimate place. So hopefully we're going to also get one day ultimate place. <laughs> to get to that place. And the ultimate place and his plan from Genesis was to stop moving. The last place he wants to move in is you. He had to move from place to place to place. To get to you. If you go through the genealogy, gives you an idea how he planned everything to move so that he can end up in you, Christ in you, the glory, uh, the hope of glory. Alright? From the beginning till today, that's God's plan. To, to dwell amongst man, his people, his nation, which is us. Um, I said here, the Bible always focuses on the coming of the Lord and not on the going away of the church. I'm going to repeat this again. The Bible, if you read it, will always focus on the coming of the Lord. Not the going away of the church. What am I talking about there? What is the only thing the churches preach about Sunday for Sunday for Sunday when they have the time? Rapture, 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 rapture. We must run away. The church is going to go somewhere. But the Bible, if you really read it, doesn't talk about that. It talks about the coming of the Lord, not the running away. I said it does not teach on the disappearance of the church. 
but rather on the appearing of the Lord. The Bible doesn't teach on the disappearance of the church. It teaches about the Lord appearing. If you get that and you start reading your Bible, you will see it's everywhere. But if you don't know it, you will never read it in your Bible. Because you've never heard it before, you will never see it in your Bible. You will have a veil over your eyes. You will not read that in your Bible. But if the veil gets taken off by the Holy Spirit, you will see everywhere in the Bible. How many verses are in your Bible that talks about the Lord coming back? In you. The word in you is everywhere in, your, in the New Testament. But you will not find denominations teaching on that. They do not teach on any of that stuff. Because they don't have the revelation. Because they were taught something, they didn't caught or catch something. Through the Spirit. 1 Timothy 6 verse 14. That thou keep this command without spot, un, uh, rebukable, until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Looking for that blessed hope and that glorious appearing of the great God and the Savior of Jesus Christ. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of the gold and perishes through, it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Revelation 21.3 and I heard a great voice out of the heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. Just what I just said. Do you read this? Yeah, I just want to emphasize this last one. You guys must, when you're going over this teaching, go in more detail and read this stuff. I don't have enough time to read everything in detail. But do you see here it says, On the day of the Lord, when he's returning, he says, I heard a great voice out of the heaven saying, Behold, tabernacle of God is with men. Remember we spoke about it earlier now? The tabernacle is with me. So what is he saying? I just said, where is Jesus tabernacling now? In you. Paul said, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he will dwell with them. He's going to dwell with you. And they shall be his people. You're going to be his people, his bride. And God himself shall be with him. Huh? God himself will be with those people that he's dwelling in when he returns. That should get you excited. You should actually all be jumping up and down and screaming like a true charismatic church, understanding what that actually means. The Old Testament word pattern. Yeah, you use the word pattern a lot. That repeats in the Bible. The Bible talks about patterns. He uses the word pattern. The Old Testament word pattern means structure. It means there's a structure, a model, a resemblance, a plan. Alright, the pattern. That's why it's the same always. Let me show you here. It's taken from that word. You see there? Here it says, that's the word, and then it goes to the root word here. Bana. It means to build. See there? To build. That's what the word pattern means. You see, that's why everything repeats itself, because he's building this thing the whole time. Every time this thing gets built and continues. I said here, God's eternal purpose in Christ Jesus is to build a corporate son. Now that went over 90% of your heads, what I just read there. Listen to what I'm saying. You must get this. God's eternal purpose from day one that I've read all those verses... In Christ Jesus, 
So he's doing all this through that person, Christ Jesus, is what? To build a corporate son, the bride. Corporate son speaks about mature Christians, the bride. So if I ask you this question to think about it, where are you in that picture? Are you part of that building? Are you busy become the, becoming the bride, the son, the corporate son? Because it's a corporate son. It's not about one person. Vanity is not special. The Lord doesn't favor me more than He favors you. We are all equal. But we become a corporate body that needs one another. We need to realize this because when God told Moses, build me a tabernacle, it had to be done exactly to the T. You're not getting what I'm saying. When God asked Moses to build the tabernacle where he can dwell in, it had to look exactly a certain way. Where is he staying now? In you. Do you see there's things you have to walk in? For him, he's staying in you? Because he had a hell of a long list of stuff they had to do to build Moses' one. Thank heavens there was a cross with blood. For you and me. Otherwise he would not have be able to stay in you and me. Because we are too filthy. Because he cannot stay in a place that's filthy. If you go look at how it was written in the Bible. How they had to build that thing. It was perfect. He didn't allow man's plan in that building. Not one inch man. Not one stitch. Not one nail was man. In that building of the tabernacle. He gave the plan for every little detail, how everything had to be, what material needed to be used, because it, God will not dwell where there's fault. That's why you need Jesus Christ to get rid of that sin of us, because God cannot dwell where there's sin. And that gives you an idea how deep and how precious the cross is because of how the tabernacle had to look for him to dwell in, and now he's living in you. And then sometimes we look like rubbish bins inside. Yeah, we all, we all been through that or going through that. Or, and he's staying in us. Thank heavens for the blood of Jesus. Because he actually wants a place that looked like the tabernacle that he built. Every detail needed to be perfect. None of man's will, ideas, nothing were allowed in the making of that. If one thing was wrong, God would not have moved in there. That's how strict he was in that building, in the way they had it on. Man's traditions, plans were not allowed at all. So I said here, the divine pattern of Moses' tabernacle is seen throughout the scripture up to the book of Revelation. You will see it everywhere. I said here, the brazen altar. We're going to go into detail about this stuff. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar. We're now in Revelations. Please note, we're not in Exodus anymore where they bought this thing. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the soul of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. You see, in Revelations, what are they talking about here? The altar. See? Yeah, the, la the labor. Revelations 4 verse 6. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne, and round about the throne were four beasts for the eyes. They're talking about the sea of glass here, about this in the natural. 
the candlestick, Revelations 1-2, and he turned to see the voice that was spoke with me, and being turned, I saw the golden candlestick. I want to show you how everything is hidden everywhere from Genesis. They're talking about the same materials. They're talking about the same furniture through to Revelations because they all got a spiritual meaning. I've got another one here. The ark. It's in Revelations 11 verse 19 if you want to put that also in there. The ark. And the temple of God was opened in heaven and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and earthquakes and great hail. We, we've discussed this verse previously. Alright, Moses. He was the mediator of the law in the Old Testament. Moses. The Old Covenant, in other words. Alright. Jesus Christ is the mediator of grace in the New Testament. The New Covenant. I said that if you look in your Bible, the book of Exodus... Where the tabernacle is in, is divided into two sections. From Exodus 1 to Exodus 19 is the historical facts. From Exodus 20 to Exodus 40, moral, civil, ceremonial law. Alright? So, historical first to verse 19, then you will, from 20 to 40, you will read about the moral, the civil, the ceremonial laws and stuff. It's in there. Alright, now... This is what you will find there. The tabernacle of Moses. The Ten Commandments and those that I just said in Exodus. Then you will read about the Levitical priesthood in Exodus. The five major offerings. Burnt, meal, peace, sin, trespass. I will one day still do these things with you guys. Those offerings. To let you understand those offerings that they have there. And the free feast of Jehovah. Passover, Pentecost and the Feast of Tabernacles. The layout of Moses' tabernacle is such a beautiful thing to understand and like I said in the beginning it's all about Jesus I've given you some background why it was there and, and all this stuff how, why God wanted this thing why is this thing so important to, to teach on and to understand because I wanted you to see how God saw this thing that he stayed in and how why he moved and everything now look at that image Do you see that Jesus is in the tabernacle? The way Jesus was crucified is the same way the furniture were placed in the tabernacle. If you turn the structure on its end, you will see the following. Look at that picture now. The brazen altar. There is the brazen altar. Where the lambs were slaughtered. The first room. It's speaking about the feet of brass of Jesus. I'm going to go into these details later, not tonight. The labor, the vascom, the labor, is in his belly. Why? There's a quick thing to think. I said here, yeah, these innermost affections. That's where the spirit comes from. Bible said, you get baptized, and what's the water else? Is the water useful? Washing of the word. All right. The candlestick and the shoe bread are his hands. And both where his hands is, is those two. Look at which one is at his left hand and which one is at his right hand. It's for a specific reason like that. What, is, what do you use? Most people use their right hand for. It's their strong hand, their work hand, their, the one that's powerful enough. Most people. 
What is at his right hand there? The Holy Spirit. What, did, what does you, Jesus use? What do you use? The Holy Spirit to do what needs to be done, to do the work of the ministry. You see how precise this thing is? But we're going to, I'm not going to go into all the details now. We're going to do that later. Look at his left hand, the bread, the word. It's in his left hand. Just for uh, interest, like how many pieces of bread were normally on the table? Who knows? Twelve. Twelve. Remember that menorah never stopped burning. When it was in there, it had to burn. Alright. If you want to look at the menorah, it's got seven bits at the top. I'm not going to go into detail with them now, just to think of it this way. The one in the middle, you place a candle on there. That's Jesus. Because they poured the oil in the middle and it went into the branches. Filled up, which is you. There's six branches, which is man. The number of man. Jesus, the seventh man. I've did a teaching on Jesus, the seventh man. The woman at the well. Remember the woman at the well teaching I did? Speaks about the seventh man. Spirit gets poured into Jesus and he pours it into us. <coughs> There's still a lot of other stuff we can talk about then. Right, next one. Um, the golden altar is at his heart. Where the prayers were placed, the coals were placed and the spices were poured on. Five spices were poured on there. It's at his heart. And the Ark of the Covenant is crowned with glory, where he's crowned with thorns. His head, the mind of Christ. If you understand what the tab, what, what's everything to do with this, and we're going to talk about everything with this to do with this. Why is that the head of Jesus? So I'm going to finish here tonight. I'm not going to go deeper, but I want you to see this is what we're going to talk about. This image you see here. Have ever of you before thought of it this way? Do you see how much detail is there in everything? It all speaks of one thing, Jesus Christ. Or in this sense we can say Lord Jesus Christ. Some of the stuff I'm going to teach about I learned from a book that I'm working through. And some of the stuff is from Yanni's stuff. And some of the stuff is my own stuff. So I'm throwing all of it together to go through this thing. Because we need to know this. If you apply this tabernacle teaching in your life, your life will get changed drastically the way you think, the way you act. We, as Christians, are walking such a double standard walk these days. And the reason why we are walking like this is because we've got no intimacy, we've got no depth, we've got no, nothing in us about the Lord. This last, uh, let's say, month, I've had a couple of encounters with people and things that I've seen over the time, what believers are walking in. And it just shows me there's nothing of this. There's no depth in there. They don't have this. Because if you have the understanding of this, you will walk upright, proud to be a Christian, in love with Jesus, but today, all you hear is out of Christians' mouths, 
oh, Jesus said this, and Jesus said that, and Jesus said this, and Jesus said that. And then that's even not the truth, and it's their own freaking voice they're hearing. But they, they banner it or brand it under Jesus said. And it's becoming the norm. And when I hear that, I know they've got no knowledge of anything about Jesus Christ. That word gets thrown around so much that he says, no, the Lord said I must do this, the Lord said I must do that, the Lord said I must do this, the Lord said I must do that. And it's not the truth. It sounds cheap. I said to somebody, you're making Christianity cheap. How can you respect a Christian? They walk if they're making what you believe cheap. Because if you know these things and you apply these things, I mean, we're still going to fall and we're still going to have issues and problems. But the way you deal with it, that shows me you know this. Not the mistakes you make. We all make mistakes. I'm not talking about mistakes. It's the way you deal with this stuff. It just, it's just, it's just, I can't, I, I don't understand how to, what's going on. But hopefully in this couple of sessions we're going to have that that you will catch this thing that it will become something that you will understand and apply in your life that your mom and dad or your boss at work don't have to tell you to do things this way do things this way you would understand it that's listening to this or you guys sitting here that you can apply this then your mom and dad when they make a decision, you will understand why it's made. When your boss makes a decision, you will understand why. Because you're not functioning out of yourself. Because that candlestick cannot burn without the middle one. Otherwise, they will not burn. There will be no oil. Alright. Um, but yeah, we'll go into de detail about all these things in the sketch. The, the measurements. Just... Just to give you an idea, just, I'm just going to give you one glimpse. This thing here, the labor, the, the Vascom, is one of the only things in this building that had no measurement. Think of it. There's a reason for that, what it stands for. I'm not going to say it to you. You can go think of it until we get there. All the others have measurements. This has measurements. They have measurements. This... I want you to see this stuff here that that's hidden and, and it's beautiful. I want you to get excited to learn what this is going to open up for you in your life so that you can apply it to your life. I don't want you to know this stuff. I want you to apply this stuff to your life. Okay.